welcome. Thanks a lot for sparing some time and tuning in to listen to the launch episode of Teachers Unmuted with Sujo Vargas, a Desi podcast by an Indian teacher on schooling and parenting across the subcontinent. On the launch episode of Teachers Unmuted with Sujo Vargas today, I am talking to an impressive lineup of educators and parents about parenting and the pandemic. Stay tuned. Hello, I'm Sojo Vargas, your host on this fortnightly podcast on schooling and parenting, made in India and made for India. Let me quickly tell you a little bit about myself before I tell you about the why and how of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vargas. I am an Indian teacher, an instructional coach and a schooling researcher. As an Indian teacher, I work with and teach Indian kids aged 1 to 18. I find it super exciting to work with children as they keep me connected to the contemporary world. As an instructional coach, I work with and train teachers to adopt meaningful teaching and assessment approaches in their classrooms. For the past 16 years or so, I've been traveling across India from Chambal to Mumbai, from Kajurahu to Darwad, from Amritsar to Kottayam, from one school to another, training and coaching teachers across different school boards. I think I must brag a bit about my numbers at this point. If numbers do matter to any of you listening to Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vargas, so far I may have worked with and trained more than 35,000 teachers across India. I think at this point I must also tell you that I had traveled business class and on bullock carts to reach schools to work with teachers i must tell you that i had slept on sidewalks and showered in public toilets so that i get to be in a school on time to work with and train the teachers there now as a schooling researcher i study how people learn at home and in school and how to accelerate their learning within the context of the public school system in india and teachers unmuted with sojo vargas is an extension of my work as a schooling researcher now what does that mean you see i have two concerns about the schooling system in india and how we teach our children number 1 we seem to be blindly importing educational approaches from the west and those approaches seem to be failing or are not always contextualized to the realities of the indian classrooms and homes and as a result these educational approaches are not always put into practice as they must be do not get me wrong i am not at all suggesting that the educational approaches imported from the west are not appropriate for indian kids all of them are research based and all of them work i appreciate the applied schooling research that happens in other countries as nothing much may be happening in india there seems to be very little local research on what will work in the indian context when it comes to teaching our children of course there is a lot of research happening in the school education space in india at the moment to understand if our children are learning or not and as a result of these research projects we are amply aware of the fact that most of our kids are not learning the way they should in schools or at home yet we have very little research that would tell us if these educational approaches we are importing from the west and promoting in india will help us make learning stick however during my travels across india for the past 16 years as an instructional coach and a schooling researcher i have come across many teachers and parents who make teaching and learning sound like a lot of fun adapting and contextualizing the learning approaches they may have picked up from the teachers and parents across the world teachers unmuted with sojo vargas is my attempt to tap into this knowledge base and understand the challenges that indian teachers and parents face and the solutions they come up with to address these challenges within the social and economic context of india my second concern 
has to do with the fact that, again, in India, we seldom hear what educators and parents who work hard on the ground have to say about teaching our kids. Our voice does not always get represented in the schooling policies made across the country, at the government level or at the school level. Nobody asks us when rules on how we teach our kids are made. Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis is an attempt to give a voice to the teachers and parents who sweat it on the ground and against all odds, make sure that the kids under their care learn something when they are working with them. This way, Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis is imagined as a fortnightly editorial on schooling and parenting, where the teachers and parents from across India and sometimes abroad share their experiences and insights about how they handle the routine challenges they face as they work with the kids under their care. And in the launch episode of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis today, we are talking to those educators and parents about parenting and the pandemic. Stay tuned. Parents are the ones who had struggled the most during the pandemic and the nationwide lockdown that followed it, from where I see it. The pandemic brought a sudden, unwelcome change in our routines and in our relationships. This disruption in our lives was unlike anything ever before and many of us were at a loss initially when it came to handling the impact of the lockdown on our lives. We had to come up with quick workarounds and hacks to handle the pressure of the lockdown. How did the middle class and upper class parents in India handle this challenge? What has changed about their lives? What did they learn in the process? This episode of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis is an inquiry into the minds of Indian parents through the eyes of Indian educators, where I want to explore and find out if I can get answers to a few of my concerns about parenting and the pandemic as an educator and a new parent. Just as the lockdown was announced in India, one of my biggest concerns was around the phrase social distancing. Somewhere I knew it could turn out to be an easily misunderstood phrase. I would have liked it better if we used the phrase physical distancing. Like I said, social distancing is an easily misunderstood phrase. As a result of the misunderstanding, we saw people being thrown out of their homes. We saw communities being harassed. We saw xenophobia on the rise. Yes, xenophobia or fear of strangers. Our Indian parents aware of this? How is the idea of social distancing affecting our children? Would social distancing magnify the fear of strangers we already may have developed? I asked Avinash Bosle. Avinash is an instructional coach and a school improvement consultant based out of Mumbai. He works with schools across Maharashtra, training parents and teachers. Avinash shared a very shocking experience with me that he had encountered as an educator in one of the public schools in Mumbai to reiterate that there could be a far-reaching impact of social distancing on children unlike many of us would imagine. And he feels it may magnify past the lockdown. Being a parent, my first like first priority would be on safety. So like uh, like it depends on like which school I am sending to my, my my child is in, right? It, whether it's a very super elite school or like you know a public school or a convent school, like you know, and the strength of the school, everything really depend on that pattern. Uh, even if it's a very elite school, still a pa- as a parent, I will think you know, oh, whether like my child is like uh, mingling with with whom my child is mingling with, like you know, is sit uh, how is sitting arrangement in the classroom? So like see all this nowadays you know as a parent if you see like you know as an adult all this media is running you know uh, this is more sort of communal aspect right so it, it can turn out in some schools you know the communal we will come to to the students also and parents will tell oh don't let my child sit with this particular uh, child okay so you know it's been ported in that way it's, it's kind of hated kind of thing but it may happen because uh, in my experience uh, one of the public schools in mumbai when we were having a project so 
I remember in uh, way back in 2009, where there was a clash, you know, between regionalism, like you know, this uh, uh, about Marathi language and you know, North Indians and all. So you won't imagine, like in senior KG and first standard at that time, children had formed group, groups. Okay, I'm a Marathi group and your brother uh, North Indian group. So what you should do, uh, do, you know, it's very interesting. So during the uh, break, short break, na washroom. So like you know, one uh, Marathi group will you know plan out that today we'll batch this up, batch this guy up, okay? And then the other North Indian one, you know, arey, our Marathi ko mara. We we will uh, take revenge. So I was really shocked to see these are three and a half year like you know senior KG kids. If you are still listening to teachers unmuted with Sojo Vargas, let me ask you this as an educator: Would the scenario Avinash Bosle had encountered way back in 2009 as a teacher trainer repeat in some of our schools when the schools finally reopened after the pandemic? Would you ask your child's teacher not to allow them to sit with another child because of their community or the area from which they come to school when schools reopen with all the physical distancing in place and life is back to normal? I am worried that our children may pick up fear of strangers due to to social distancing and as a result demonstrate tendency to bully others or get bullied in the name of the community or faith or language or state i'm also worried that parents may unknowingly or knowingly forget to address this concern sharanya sudagar a social psychology researcher based out of the usa at the moment explained to me why we must be cautious as parents about knowingly or unknowingly passing our fear of strangers to our children Sharanya's work involves understanding the relevance of empathy and personal well-being in the context of schools. Sharanya explained to me why as parents we must be mindful of the kind of schemas we lead our kids to develop by setting bad examples of how to view and interact with people who are not family. This is a really interesting question because I feel like uh, there are a lot of logistical challenges but yeah. as someone interested in human psychology I I keep going back to how do we form our notions of whom we like and whom we dislike and how these notions of whom we like and dislike are connected to how we view others in this whole pandemic situation right yeah. um, so although we are isolated at home we do step out to maybe get groceries uh, you know go to the medical store we do step out occasionally and during these brief moments of going out how do we view others around us and that's been sort of something that i'm very interested in because that's where the whole social dynamics of it pans out right um and i feel like all of us uh, innately we have these ideas of whom we like and dislike and this could be uh, informed by our own unconscious biases and the biases could be multifold based on our own schemas right i could think that a person of a, who looks like a uh, you know who looks a particular way behaves a particular way of a particular socio economic status or of a particular caste or class uh, will will be likable or not likable i'm not going to mention them but these yeah. are schemas that are there within us and i feel like um because of these schemas we're very unconsciously apprehensive when we interact with people we're cautious and careful and just oppose this to the new reality of covid right so mm-hmm. all these schemas sort of magnify the minute i see someone who fit into my dislike schema i immediately start um feeling these you know 
uh, emotions of uh, caution, uh, being uh, fearful, apprehensive, and I, yeah. I expand it. And as a parent, I'm doing this unconsciously, but I'm also modeling these behaviors to my child. And I feel like people don't sense that it is because of COVID, but they start sensing the schemas that you're going by and they are forming their own schemas at that point. So I feel like that is going to be a huge um, issue going down the line because it's going to impact the way children view others. And that's largely driven by how parents view others around them. I'm sure you agree with what Sharanya said. How we view others may influence how our children view others. Let's forget xenophobia for a while, as it is a loaded word. I believe xenophobia will take care of itself. If we can provide our children with the right kind of environment and interventions to support their social and emotional development. Let's talk about the social and emotional development of our kids from here on. In this context, I'm worried that the social and emotional development of many of our kids may take a beating as a result of social distancing. Educators like Kavita Raghavan are super concerned about the fact that children may forget that there is a world outside the home if the pandemic-related social distancing continues. Kavita is a biotechnology researcher and a teacher at a leading public school in Bangalore. She strongly believes in the importance of face-to-face -face interactions when it comes to the social and emotional development of children. They don't understand what the relationship is. Other than my mother, my sister and my father, they don't think there is a world existing. Otherwise, we used to go to the native for any functions. Every three, four months, we used to go for some or the other function, even if for not for a longer, for so many days, we'll be going for three, four days, every three, four months. But now it's nearly last December, we went home and they haven't seen their grandparents. Even if they talk, they, they, they won't be much interested to talk to them in, uh, uh, to them online. If, uh, the the bonding they develop uh, when you are along with them and through online it is uh, you cannot match it uh, uh, i think uh, they they might have come to a state like uh, okay this is my world they out of this there is no there is a, a world existing that they may forget if it continues like this uh, obviously it will uh, change change is the nature's law uh, we have to see uh, whoever is able to get better adapted to the change will be able to survive. We cannot always blame, yes, because of this COVID situation, it has come like that. Mm -hmm. We have to make everyone aware of like, yeah, for the time being, we are, we have to uh, undergo this particular phase. After that, we are, we will be able to come out of it. Would the world of our children shrink into the cocoon of family? If social distancing continues the way it is at the moment, as a biotechnologist, Kavita suggests that we better adapt if we are to survive this. How do we make sure that our children adapt to face this challenge the pandemic has thrown away? What can we do as parents about this? I asked Jerry Matthew Philippos if he is mindful of the effect of social distancing on the social and emotional development of children as a parent. Cherry is an assistant professor at a leading engineering college in Chennai. Cherry does his research in language teaching and loves working with people across age groups. One very important thing I have learned as a new parent while talking to Cherry in connection with teachers and muted with soldier workers is the importance of noticing things about kids, for which one skill you need to develop as a parent is the ability to observe and notice things about your kid. Cherry revealed what he does to help his four-year-old daughter, Princess Srishti, 
cope with the effect of social distancing. But right now, what is happening uh, is, I mean, she doesn't have regular interaction with her friends or peers. So that I, uh, is creating a problem. But again, I mean, uh, this is something which I don't know. Like, I mean, we could uh, find an immediate solution. We can't think of an immediate solution. What we what we do is to keep talking to her about others, the, the larger world, uh, through stories, singing songs. I mean, showing her. Uh, things which happen in the real world and like I mean uh, tell her that I mean she has to that, see there's a world beyond her parents or her immediate circle where she has to live and then um, survive and I think I mean uh, she's just four and a half years old so I have a feeling like I mean uh, she will cope with like I mean later once everything is settled and once everything we don't know when but once everything is settled I think I mean, uh, she, she'll pick it up yes we need to talk to children about society and the people around us in an age-appropriate manner. The more inclusive we are while we engage in this conversation, the better. Yes, for a four-year-old Srishti, that conversation can happen through songs and stories. For children as old as Srishti or older, we have to create occasions to ask questions and find answers about social distancing and what they think about it patiently. Of course, like Shari, I'm also hopeful that once the lockdown is lifted or we manage to develop a vaccine, the processes we follow to facilitate the social and emotional development of young people like Srishti will be back to normal. Meanwhile, I must tell you something very interesting that came up during one of my interviews with the educators you're listening to through Teachers and Muted with Sojo Workers today. Parents who live in apartments have figured out other ways to handle the issue of social and emotional development in kids as the pandemic is preventing normal life. When I spoke to Bharat S, he pointed me towards how parents who live in apartment complexes handle the effect of social distancing differently from those who stayed in standalone houses. Bharat is a senior manager at a leading digital learning resource platform for children, looking after localizing content and curriculum. Bharat is someone I would call a learned parent, as he has devoted a lot of time to understand parenting as a scientific practice. During our conversation, Bharat pointed out the examples of parents who live in apartments to show me that there is no blanket way of understanding the impact of the lockdown on the social and emotional development of children. Broadly, uh, you know, in the initial few months of uh, COVID hitting Bangalore, at least we noticed that we went into like a whole lockdown and kids were not allowed to go outside and play. And uh, um, that kind of thing happened. And uh, I think it affected the apartment dwelling kids differently from um, kids who dwelled in individual houses right um, because the kids um, the, the the children in apartment mostly have somebody to always go meet I mean uh, we are in October um, right now and now I think people are easing out a little bit they're a little more comfortable in allowing their kids to go out and play and I think the apartment dwelling kids are more you know they have more access to other children yeah. to go out and play and uh, have a good time I think the uh, uh, children living in individual houses definitely have a little more trouble in terms of going and finding that extra um, that that extra time to go spend with other children because most of those houses will not be so uh, conjoined and you just need to figure out a way to go meet from a socializing point of view I think it has affected children differently based on the um, based on the um, you know how their way of in, you know in whether they're living in an apartment or an individual house yeah. up front. But the other thing that I notice is 
that um personally i think um we've been just fortunate uh, to have a child which is easy to um cater to uh, not all children have the same personality and uh, my child just happens to be um, an easier child but i do hear from a lot of people about how uh, children are getting super bored at home and they would like to step out but they are not allowed to and that may be affecting um, that may be affecting the way um you know also parents feel about uh, perhaps a little guilty about not allowing them or not giving them that um that kind of uh, ent- not entertainment but i think um, the, i think parents do feel a little guilty about um not taking good care of the child's mental health or something like that but but i do think um, you know i don't think there is a blanket way of looking at how all the kids are getting affected i think uh, all of these children have different personalities uh, some are more introverted and don't mind staying at home and uh, they don't care much about stepping out and meeting friends and so on and there are some other kids who would like to do that i'm sure like me you will agree with bharat that there is no blanket way of looking at it like cherry bharat is also hopeful as a parent and an educator that once things are back to normal the instinct of our children to socialize will kick back into action there is another challenge when it comes to helping children with their social and emotional development at this point the schools are not open and fully functional yet as they used to be classes mostly happen online talking to a machine is not as socially helpful as talking to a person face to face we do not have any space available at the moment that will help us allow our children to socialize with their peers and children from other age groups we need schools to reopen there may not be any other way we are going to handle the impact of social distancing the way we are practicing it at the moment but then most of the learning happens online at the moment technology has become an integral part of how we learn today because of the pandemic many parents are already not willing to pay fees to schools many are turning to homeschooling if this continues will schools become irrelevant and non-existent in our country i spoke to hardik kakkar hardik looks after the development and implementation of a holistic curriculum for children for a leading chain of schools in india hardik is a very reflective parent and i asked hardik if he thinks schools will become obsolete by the time we are past this dangerous times just as you rightly said that we haven't seen uh, good classrooms and actually uh, to put it as an insider point of view uh, we discussed this as soon as the lockdown begin that now what will happen the bad teaching will get exposed to the parent because parents are getting involved more at home with students earlier than they were so the bad teaching is started getting exposed right which also affected uh, many ways the schools as well and the parents as well uh, now i do understand that the school is not playing the role it should be but i would also not support or at least for on personal level that uh, 90% of the parents i have interacted with are equipped to deal with every type of need a young child has at home and that's where i feel so you may get knowledge of course i mean nowadays right from pre primary to kid you know whatever level you say there are good course materials available there are good coaches available there are platforms available where you can discuss and this you know so of course that knowledge is available but one thing that gets missed you know and which is 
a very intrinsic part of education is the emotional quotient which somehow gets mixed with when this happens because a child a uh, lot of them some of them may be very different than our intrinsic have intrinsic motivation but a lot of them look for their peer approvals their peer recognition which i think the parent fails to bring in at home doesn't matter how brilliant i am i know some of the parents are brilliant teachers as well i wouldn't deny that maybe better than the teachers they have at they come up with they prepare i have seen parents taking efforts i have seen parents taking efforts to you know put it across to the child in a very nice way so that the child understands it takes remembers or understands it for rest of the life so that is being there but i think um, the school and the parents have to take a cooperative role and engage as a community better that is a better solution rather either thinking that they can exist individually it takes a community to school a child parents may not be able to do it alone children need a different space than their home for their further social development into adulthood else we may end up bringing up xenophobic narcissistic and childish adults for the future of our country however i'm sure you understand that times are not yet right to reopen schools at least in india i'm yet to hear about any preparation by any school to resume operations of course discussions are happening around the same meanwhile i decided that i wanted to find out what educators are doing in other countries about being prepared to reopen schools i also wanted to find out what governments are doing about it i spoke to aruna sridharan a child care expert at the early childhood licensing and academic quality management division of the state of california usa aruna has worked as an early childhood care specialist in the preschool industry in both india and abroad aruna spoke to teachers and muted with sojo vargas and explained how the state of california is preparing to reopen schools especially the early childhood care centers across the state of california so here in the child care field right now what we see below the age of um, you know school age children um, here the child cares are open we are following the cdc guidelines and the state ordinances to strictly adhere to while providing care for children we just yeah. recently did the um, technical assistance for all the programs in the state of california so we reached out to the licensees we had a self assessment guide which tells you lays out as to what the requirements are so taking temperature checks at the entrance when when parents drop off and then there is 6 feet Uh, physical distancing maintained so staggered uh, drop offs and pick up and then once the child comes in immediately the child washes their hands they maintain 6 feet distance um, you know we are, we've been saying play together share things now all that comes to us up but then children are not going to it's very difficult for them to learn and unlearn a skill at this age so they might play together but at the same time you know have meal time snack times at 6 feet apart so for example earlier there were three children seated one next to the other then remove the middle chair so that automatically you're setting up the environment conducive to the guidelines right now what we have to uh, have uh, social distancing and uh, physical distancing rather and then have the mask so the mask mandate has been for children about the age of 2 uh, mm-hmm. but again younger children it's difficult they can't wear a cap on we know the reality they can't have a hairband on for mm-hmm. some time so we're not 
enforcing it but we are encouraging providers to do that just like the state of california is preparing early childhood education centers we need to sit down in india and develop guidelines for schools to reopen i think it is also important that those guidelines are practical for the indian context and are inclusive keeping the impact of social distancing on the social and emotional development of our children meanwhile parents are working from homes and children are attending schools from homes earlier many parents were not able to spend a lot of quality time with children because of the nature of their work now that we are home throughout the day and all of the night with our children has our presence at home allowed us to spend more quality time with our children unlike before before the pandemic most working parents were struggling to find time for their children after the pandemic we are indeed getting a lot of time with children at home i spoke to hemalada kala senior academic coordinator in a leading international school in mumbai about this as an educator hemalada is someone who believes in working closely with both children and parents as she teaches i always thought the pandemic was the time when parents were able to lavish a lot of attention on children what hemalada told me about the kind of quality time we get to spend with children because of the pandemic may sound counterintuitive yet seems to be true uh, i feel you know earlier the at the moment the distance has grown between parents mm. and students like uh, yesterday only i was talking to a parent a parent whose child ever is very sincere okay very intelligent but all of a sudden she has stopped coming to school altogether like she is not coming she is not she is not uh, she is not coming for any of her classes so um, i was very concerned so naturally we we are doing you know a levels is not an easy course you can't do it yourself you have to have uh, people with you who are discussing brainstorming about the same topic again and again and and you know also going deeper in understanding of the topic at hand so when 50 19 i have 20 children in my class so if uh, 20 of the 19 of them are speaking and one is listening you think how much the child will learn from different perspectives from the same age group so this was my concern so i spoke to the parent so first time when we spoke around 3 uh, months back the child was coming to school on and off but uh, some erratic behavior was there okay mm-hmm. yesterday now she has completely stopped coming to school so yesterday when i asked the parent that you know uh, you know what happened what happened to your child so they were helpless so to they were helpless they are in the mm. same school they are there in the same house oh. that they say we don't know what to do with our child we don't know how to motivate the child to come to school when they are there in the same school when they are there in the same same house and the mother is not able to motivate so you know um, i i thought you know i'll put for this that should we ask the counselor to speak to her so they were worried about that also they said we don't know whether she is very strong headed and we don't know whether uh, she will be able to you know she will talk to the counselor or not so uh, so think about the you know that is what i'm saying the distances have grown because of the media because parents are because virtual media takes a lot of time you know to lot of your valuable time it is not as quick as being in the office face to face getting things done it's like connecting to people again and again and then you know you lose connection you go back so if all the professionals who are there at the moment i've spoken to all the parents who are there in uh, busy professions they have become busier okay so somewhere they are not able to monitor their students children at all like earlier the child used to go to school used to come back from school they used to have a conversation in the house and then you know uh, then the child could relax 
relax also and the parent also relaxes right but being uh, the virtual media we are we are working 24/7 so that is what i feel the distance has not really reduced it has grown yes working parents are busier than they were before the pandemic many of us may not be getting time to interact with our children the way we must even though we are at home the whole day and night this issue is magnified at homes where both parents are working what do we do to make sure that our schedules are not clashing and we can spend the required amount of time with our children to understand their world their imaginations and their fears i spoke to amit dor a senior secondary school teacher and a teacher trainer based out of nagpur both amit and his wife are highly experienced educators his concern as a parent is that the timetable his family followed before the pandemic had hit us became irrelevant after the lockdown what did amit do as a parent about it so sojo as a parent first i will talk as a parent first uh, because as a teacher i taught to the students of higher uh, higher i mean i taught to the students of 8 9 10 standards so that is called as higher actually higher classes in maharashtra so my uh, my experience of dealing with my student is way different than how i dealt with my child throughout this pandemic uh, the biggest thing uh, which has hit um, is uh, with me as a parent is uh, our timetable has collapsed completely uh, initially like my daughter's uh, school bus used to come at uh, 8 in the morning at our place so we had a strict timetable initially like uh, we will make her uh, get up by 7 we'll ready her we'll have her breakfast we'll ready her for the school and then we'll uh, make her sit in the bus by 8 but now that timetable has been collapsed completely our sleeping pattern has uh, undergone a sea change i mean now my child gets up uh, in the morning after 9 am so that's a big change then secondly uh, initially from her school uh, some videos has been sent by her school for uh, education purpose but then uh, came a decision by state government that uh, children below the age of 6 will not be uh, not be having online classes so then uh, then again we have to make changes in her uh, in a, in the things regarding her studies so like initially we were relying on the videos which were sent by her school or the online classes which were going on but once that stopped uh, me and my wife are taking turns to teach her the things which should be there in her syllabus uh, but actually my wife also is a teacher so that helped and she teaches to primary classes so uh, that becomes much easier so uh, we share some responsibilities amongst us like uh, i teach her how to write a b c d and she's uh, she she takes care of her poems and other things so as a parent now we are putting more efforts compared to what we used to do before the pandemic before the pandemic i mean uh, my daughter uh, was i mean my daughter is in the same school where my uh, wife teaches so my wife used to take care of uh, her entire uh, schooling schedule she used to take care of uh, her st- studies and everybody uh, everything about her was there in front of uh, her eyes so uh, me as a parent was less involved initially now i am also taking equal efforts to teach the things to my child so that is the one big uh, thing to be very honest uh, it's much easier working from school than working from home uh, because uh, when you stay at home uh, everybody expects you to do the household works as well if you are away from your home all these things doesn't come into the picture so uh, 
working from home actually is much more difficult than working from school uh, because here i have to take care of my daughter i have to look after some of the uh, courses which uh, because of pandemic uh, our maids also have stopped coming to our home so i had to share the household courses also with my wife and with my parents so actually it has uh, in a way it is more difficult because uh, when you have your work and you are indulged in your work sometimes uh, your partner i mean like uh, your better half may not understand the importance of it and you cannot explain uh, everything to them every time because uh, sometimes they expect you to look after your daughter but at the same time you need to give time to your work also so um, sometimes these things clashes in between so so like uh, my way is uh, pretty simple uh, if i know that uh, tomorrow is an important day for me as a teacher i have to prepare videos or i have to take online meetings of my student so i tell my wife beforehand uh, early night that tomorrow is going to be a tough day for me i had to be there uh, with my students so you please take care of our daughter and sometimes both of us are busy and uh, we find it too difficult to uh, look after our child and our work also we take care, we take help of our in-laws also we send our child to our in-laws and for a day or two they take care of her and when we are done with our work we come back uh, with the uh, with uh, our daughter plan and communicate with your parenting partner and then as much as possible stick to your timetable that seems to be the way to go as we deal with the stress of combining parenting and working from home on one hand we have parents unable to give children the kind of attention they need due to the pandemic related lockdown and its fallout on the other hand we have the problem of giving children more attention than they may require i spoke to rama kali about this rama is a preschool education expert and much of her work is in linguistics in the early childhood education space rama confirmed my worry that there is a possibility of parents giving too much attention especially to smaller kids as we are all locked down at home yeah i mean typically um, you know it's like you know, i get to spend more time with my child and i'm happy about it but you know i probably at times wonder that if i'm doing more harm than good to her you know because her entire independence um, is kind of you know the moment she starts crying everyone is running towards her giving her a glass of water and what happened and this and that and feeding her running behind her because there's so much time right and um, kids are not getting used to being independent because that's what the aim is right i mean it's so unfortunate that we have made parenting into a verb like you know something that we need to do to the child <laughs> to make the child into a yeah. individual yeah. right so i mean <laughs> it's not really a verb <laughs> come on <laughs> so let the child be i mean that's what i used to think at least um but now as a parent and in this situation it is getting more and more difficult you know we're here that you are going to go away in a while mm-hmm. my office is going to start mm-hmm. and then she's going to be so dependent on us that she's going to need us all the time yeah. so what we are really doing is that you know we are making her so dependent in the whole process of pampering her that it's effectively not doing any good so that's the only thing that i can say and uh, you know because uh, being in india right all these society and societal influences the way um, parents are judged it is so horrible <laughs> i mean if i can use that word right so okay. it gets really tricky but i think the way to then go ahead is once this thing is over we have to take some really conscious step uh, which would be very drastic you know so otherwise the whole thing would have been this transition would have been much smoother for the child but now it's going to be like you know okay hold on from tomorrow this is how your life is going to look like and you might cry for a while you might you know uh, throw tantrums but this is how it's going yeah. to be so if we are not sensitive to the kind of attention we are giving children 
we may have a lot of work at our hands after the lockdown to help them be independent. If you are a parent listening to teachers unmuted with social workers, I would like you to be aware of the balance you need to strike when it comes to giving children attention at this point. What can we possibly do as parents to make sure that we do not end up being helicopter parents, giving children undue attention all the time? I spoke to Pooja Yudhvir, principal of a leading preschool in Agra, about this. Pooja is a child development expert and a passionate practitioner of experiential learning at the preschool level. Pooja explained to me how she strikes a balance when it comes to parenting. Maybe even uh, now what is happening is when they're all the time around, so there, there is a lot of helicopter parenting also happening. Not with me, but yeah. see, there is one basic uh, thing that we just need to follow is that we just need to be the uh, facilitators here. So even if a child is studying, all you need to do is make himself comfortable. See, I'll talk on a very regular basis is that uh, per se, if, if, if my son has a class, I need to make sure the internet connection is fine. I need to ask him, have you got your laptop charged? Because what is happening is as soon as they, they forget, okay, they, before 10 minutes, just before the class, they'll say, okay, mama, I'm in the class three. And they would try to log in. They're not able to log in the, the laptop. is So you need to kind of help them with this anxiety. You say, okay, no issues. I'll help you log in or I'll log in from the other uh, other gadget. But then after that, I'll leave it to him. Then I'm not like, okay, what are you doing? Are you attending the class or not? So you need to understand where you need to step in as a facilitator. Just do that. Make things comfortable for their child mentally, physically, and then, then, then pull out. I would add to what Pooja said and give you a little insight into helicopter parenting. Helicopter parenting is the result of the wrong mental models most of us follow when it comes to parenting. Experts say that we may be approaching parenting wrong. I spoke to Rose Francis, who is a leading school leader coach based out of Mumbai about this. Rose has worked extensively with parents, teachers and school leaders across India and is very mindful of the wrong mental model we have about parenting. So I have always felt parenting is a very intuitive process. So uh, we don't really come to this world with a lot of uh, uh, understanding or, you know, education about how parenting has to be. And it has always been a very intuitive thing. So even if you look at it in the nature, the uh, birds and animals and uh, other, uh, you know, uh, insects and plants, they, they have a very intuitive way of bringing up their young. So mm-hmm. that kind of intuition, I feel all of us have. And it's good to um, just fall back on that. So basically, I feel parenting is about two things. One is to ensure that the child or the uh, little young is uh, protected and safe. That's one of the primary functions of a parent. So safety in terms of physical safety, also mental, uh, psychological, all those aspects, you know. So how, what is the child being exposed to? What are the kind of notions the child is building? What, um, what is the kind of values the child is building? Also, um, if the child is physically safe, that's one of the things. The second thing I feel uh, most importantly is that uh, how are we as parents um, getting the child ready for his future? So we always think about our future as parents. We think that my child should go become a doctor. My child should become this. It's always about us. While I feel parenting is about not making the child ready for a, a future that we feel is good, but for the child's eventual good future. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not saying that uh, I was an ideal parent when uh, I, I mean, I was young. Uh, I, I would say that a lot of things I did was very intuitive and what felt right kind of thing. Uh, 
I would say that uh, uh, to what I have done is that I have uh, always stuck to my intuition more than uh, what the society told was right or wrong. So that um, right or wrong, I have done that. So that would be one thing that I say. Um, I I had recently seen this uh, serial called Speed Cubers on Netflix. Uh, it's about uh, children who are into uh, Rubik's cube competition. So. I particularly like that because this boy who uh, was, uh, I mean, on whom the serial was made was, his name was Max. Uh, he was an autistic child. Mm-hmm. And uh, how the parents, uh, I mean, uh, for the first few years of the child, the child was not relating to anyone, even his own parents. So he had his own world. He would get engaged in whatever he's doing. And so the parents' first uh, uh, challenge was to get into the child's life. So slowly, the mother got into the child's life. And that was a win for the parent. So mm-hmm. uh, I feel uh, for all parents, there are challenges like this. Uh, one step at a time, uh, if, if we can take the child close to the societal um, situation that the child will eventually end up in and how we can uh, go through those steps one step at a time is what parenting is all about. In other words, as parents, our responsibility is not to get our kids ready for a future that we think is right for them. Our responsibility is to provide conditions that would enable them to develop into others who can make their future on their own. Alison Gopnik, the author of The Philosophical Baby, a popular book on parenting, adds to what Rose has told us about relying on our instincts as parents more than the advice we receive on parenting from society. Of course, I did not interview Alison for Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Workers. I wish I could. Her talks are amazing. I stumbled upon one of her lectures on YouTube as I was searching for research work that I could base this episode of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Workers on. This talk was published by GBH Forum Network and here is how Alison adds to what Rose already told us based on her experience as a parent. Funny thing that happened to parents and children uh, around the end of the 20th century, and it was called parenting. Um, Now, if you look at the Google engram for that word parenting, you'll see that it first really started to appear in the 1960s, and it became enormously popular through the 1970s and 80s. Now, a word is just a word, but it's still pretty striking that that very word parenting, which is so ubiquitous now, was actually an invention of the late 20th century. Um, And that word comes with a picture. It comes with a kind of image of what relations between parents and children are supposed to be like. After all, the word mother and father are as old as English itself, and the idea of being a parent is an ancient part of English. What's the difference between that and this new verb of parenting? Well, the picture of parenting was that parenting was a kind of work. It was a goal-directed activity that you could do, where the goal was actually shaping a child to come out differently, to come out smarter, or to come out better, or to come out more successful. Now, exactly better than what, or more successful than what, or happier than what isn't always clear, although I do think the uh, thing that we whisper underneath our breath is, then that other kid next door who doesn't have a parent who's as good at parenting as I am. Uh, And the idea was that if you just shaped this child the right way, then you could 
in turn have that child turn into a better adult, a better grown-up. Um, and I think there were some reasons why this particular picture, now so ubiquitous, of parenting emerged at the end of the 20th century. And I'll refer to some of this later on, but for most of human history, the way that we learned how to take care of children was by having taken care of children. So for most of human history, children were growing up in a big extended family with lots of siblings, with lots of cousins, grandparents taking care of them, something I'll return to. But one thing that meant was that you yourself were taking care of your younger sibs, taking care of your younger cousins, watching lots of different people take care of children all the time that you were a child yourself. So by the time you actually had your own children, you had an enormous stock of expertise and knowledge and a sense of what this process of caregiving was about. And what happened at the end of the 20th century was for the first time in human history, people were having children who had sometimes never even seen a child, let alone, I mean, or seen a child in the distance, but certainly had never taken care of a child over an extended period themselves. And this has become more intense when I teach my introductory class at Berkeley. I always ask my students, how many of you here have actually cared for a child? And it's amazingly few in, an, in a room full of uh, of young people. Um, now, on the other hand, those same parents who now were having children uh, at a much older age with less general extended family support had spent many years going to school and work. And so it was very natural for them to think that this process of having a child was another job, uh, another thing that you could get a manual for, or another thing where if you just went through the training session, then you would be able to figure out how to do this effectively. And this model of thinking about about taking care of children as if it was another kind of goal-directed work with benchmarks and outcomes and ways that you could measure success um, became naturally became a very uh, prevalent model in that circumstance. Now, the genesis for this book was that I started out wanting to write a book that was about uh, these really exciting developments in our understanding of children and childhood and parents that have happened really just over the past 15 or 20 years. Uh, developments in evolutionary biology and developments in the kind of developmental psychology in the lab that I do. Uh, but one of the things that happened was at the same time I became a grandmother very happily and that kind of plunged me back into the world of caregiving. And I was struck by the fact this model of parenting, of relations between parents and children that had become so pervasive was exactly the opposite of the model that was coming out of the science. So at the same time that the science was telling us more and more about how children learn and specifically how children learn from parents, the picture in the world at large, the picture of this billion dollar parenting industry, um, the picture that had become so ubiquitous was exactly the opposite of that model. And that's really the point about the book. So the point of the book is to contrast this uh, parenting picture to the picture that comes out of the science. Uh, and one way of trying to get a metaphor that captures that difference is this metaphor of the carpenter versus the garden. So the parenting model sees the process of being a parent as being very much like being a carpenter. If you're a carpenter, you have some respect for the materials that you have, but you still have the picture that there's some set of techniques that you can undergo, and if you just control the process enough and you're expert enough, you will be able to get a predictable kind of chair at the end of the process. And that's kind of what the parenting picture is like. If you just do the right 
things, you'll have a good child and that good child will turn into a good adult. The picture that comes from uh, evolution, very different picture, is more like the picture of being a gardener. Now, in practice, I think I had this metaphor partly because I am myself a, a gardener, and if you're actually a practical gardener, you know that in spite of the fact that you work incredibly hard and sweat and toil and you're up to your ears in manure a lot of the time, um, nothing in the garden comes out the way that you expect or the way that you planned or the way you wanted to begin with. Unfortunately, that's true about the marvelous things that happen in the garden that you didn't plan and didn't expect, as well as the assorted disasters that happen in the garden that you didn't plan and didn't expect. But there's actually a deep reason for that. That's not just the luck of being a gardener. And the deep reason is that when you garden, what you're trying to do is create an ecosystem. You're trying to put all that work into creating fertile soil in a protected space that will allow a diverse, um, resilient, changeable kind of ecosystem to develop. The mental model we must have as a parent is that of a gardener and not a carpenter. What do you think? Are you a gardener parent or a carpenter parent? I spoke to Vardhan Naik, who is a software engineer and a business development trainer who runs a startup in Bangalore. Vardhan is someone I would call a cool-headed and honest parent. Vardhan explained to me what could happen when we follow a carpenter model of parenting instead of a gardener model of parenting. Yeah, and uh, about me, like, uh, I, I have no, like, rules as such about parenting. I, I keep it a bit pretty open book and see, figure it out on the moment, on the spur, what, what comes by, right? As, as a parent, uh, I'm just evolving and maybe I'm not yet uh, fixed. No, I, 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 I felt initially I had very predetermined rules, like, this is what I should do. Uh, but in the, in the, I've seen, like, whatever I try to, to do the opposite normally happens <laughs> okay like if i try, if i try to enforce certain things uh, the child really does something which is i mean the, the registers something which is very much opposite to what i really want so then i'm set uh, figuring out now himself that's what i'm learning out that okay i do want him to be disciplined but it's, it's like difficult for him to control a child at that particular age right yeah so, yeah. so yeah. And, and that goes with education as well like uh, uh, like how do we uh, set up uh, make, make him sit on uh, online class right the young guy right right and he's not uh, but he wants to sit there but after five minutes the interest is gone right so yeah it's, it's, it's not, nothing is like uh, what we think in our mind it actually is what gets implemented even if you plan for it in a in a long term right you bring him a particular to toy the objective of bringing him a toy is probably learning but end of the day that that really gives us it's a different spin-off new story altogether, <laughs> which which you have a different, it's a difficult tiger to control there after that. Yes, we just need to ensure that we provide the right conditions for our children to explore and learn rather than creating too many rules they need to follow or hovering around them like helicopter. Follow the gardener model of parenting and not a carpenter model of parenting. From where I see, Adults grow up as irresponsible people when parents follow a carpenter model of parenting than a gardener model of parenting. If you have ever encountered an adult who behaves like a child, be rest assured that their parents followed the carpenter model of parenting instead of the gardener model. Pandemic or otherwise, let us all try as parents to be gardeners for our children 
than being a carpenter for them so that they ultimately make their own future themselves. Let's not make them rely on us too much to shape their future. That's it for today with Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis. I will see you again in two weeks with the second episode of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis. Meanwhile, if you would like to engage with me in connection with schooling research, school improvement or teacher or student capacity building, please feel free to contact me on my website sojovergis.online. Also feel free to give me your feedback or share your thoughts about this episode of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis in the comment section. Your feedback, questions and thoughts will help me improve the quality and usefulness of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis. In case you would like me to go in search of the answer to one of your questions on schooling or parenting in one of the upcoming episodes of Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis, please feel free to contact me through my website again sojovergis.online and let me know. Until then, thanks for tuning in and listening to Teachers Unmuted with Sojo Vergis. I am signing off for now. See you. Ancora imparo. Thank you.